The headline was about whooping cough on the rise because of asymptomatic carriers. And it got us thinking about carriers like Typhoid Mary. Does this still exist? That's what we're going to talk about with Dr. John Hallberg this time on Hallberg's Picture of Health. John, welcome back. Hi, Tom. Thank carriers. you. Carriers. Why are carriers still a thing? I thought this was a 19th century thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They, they've never gone away. They've never gone away. No. This is frightening. Tell <laughs> us. Let's let's back up a little here and talk about this study uh, that, that, that created the headlines, yeah. the headlines that whooping cough is being passed on by people who aren't necessarily coughing terribly. Right. Uh, they're asymptomatic. Right. But they have the disease. So uh, uh, tell me what was in this study first. Sure. So it was a study published in BMC Medicine. Uh, um, There's a couple of gentlemen who have a mathematical sort of epidemiologic background, sort of number crunchers. And I think they, like a lot of people, are kind of wondering what is behind this huge rise in pertussis cases or whooping cough cases that we're seeing in the U.S. And just as a little historical context, uh, from 1970 to 2001, there are about 8,000 cases a year. That was the maximum. Usually it was much less than that. And since, you know, actually most recently in 2014, there were like 28,000 cases. So 20,000 more a year than we were seeing. And this is going exactly exactly in the wrong direction for a disease, frankly, that we thought we had not conquered, but sort of had kept in check. So the question is, why in the world is that happening? Right. And there's like different theories, and, and there's three that are pretty widely accepted, and that is that, you know, naturally, immunity probably wanes as we get older, so that whether you had the infection or whether you got the shots, the series as a child, um, and at some point it starts to wear off, and so that's why we do booster shots a lot of times. The second thought is that the bacteria, the, the bacteria that causes whooping cough, border telepertussis has maybe um, started to evolve a little bit. It's kind of working its way around the immune system, um, creating some resistance. And that's uh, certainly accepted as one thought. Another one is just simply poor vaccine coverage. We hear this a lot. We've, You and I have talked about it a lot. Just maybe not enough people are getting the vaccine series. So those three things are all playing a role to some degree. But these researchers mm-hmm. have found that maybe the biggest reason of all is that there are asymptomatic carriers out there who are spreading the disease, and they don't even know that they're spreading the disease. Wow. All right. Uh, so if they had gotten vaccinated recently, that would probably be less uh, likely? Or is the vaccine just not doing its job the way it should? That's the thing that we're worried about. And that's what it, that's what it seems to be pointing to, that unfortunately this vaccine, though it probably helps prevent like the serious disease, you know, the really, the full, full-on full on blown kind of, whooping cough. Yeah, yeah. that uh, can really cause some serious symptoms. Um, it it isn't quite doing that for everybody. And so um, people are theoretically then less immunized than they are led to believe. And it's very important to point out, it's not that the vaccine is causing the disease. That's a very important distinction to make. Okay. It's that it's not giving the kind of protection that we really want. Because that, I think we need to talk a little about that, because every year you hear it and I hear it, and when they have flu shots and they give flu shots here at, at, at the radio station, all everyone says, well, I got a flu shot once and I got the flu. Right. And we've talked about that. That doesn't happen. Simply impossible. Because And what happened? Why are people well, saying that? Because when are we getting the flu shots? We're getting in flu season and there's right. an incubation period. And then vaccines don't work instantaneously. You don't get immunity, full immunity, the minute you receive that immunization. It takes a while for your immune system to recognize it, for the antibodies to be produced, to be circulating. Um, and so I think it's just, it's a classic thing. And, 
and not only that, I mean, flu is such a great example of people have different definitions of what the flu is. So they'll say mm-hmm. they get diarrhea. Well, that's not influenza. That's not what the vaccine was meant to prevent. Um, and on yeah. top of that, a vaccine, you know, last year we had a, what, 20% effective rate? I mean, it was, it was a very- Was it that low? It was really low. It was really low. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately. Um, and, you know, it gets into whole sort of, you know, issues of immunity and, and uh, the immune system. Um, there's some findings that even when it's a bad match and the, you know, the guessing game that- Yeah, you know, which that strain is, of flu? Right. That it seems to raise your antibody levels of all the previous times you've had influenza in your life. So you get some sort of added protection from that. But for the circulating strains that year, always a guessing game and never great, frankly, at least not yet. Um, but that doesn't stop us from doing immunizations. We still want sure. people to be protected. It seems to do something with the immune system that maybe gives us some benefit for those uh, cold and flu months. Whooping cough. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years back, uh, I won't go into the details, but I uh, stepped on a nail and had to get a tetanus booster, yeah. which you do. And it had been 10 years, I guess. And that would include whooping cough most of the time. Well, it should. And so this is interesting because it was over a decade ago that uh, we switched from having uh, just adults getting a TD, a capital letter T and a lowercase letter D, so tetanus diphtheria. That was sort of this dual shot. And then it came up from the CDC and other uh, groups that adults should get a booster. And when they got their booster, it should be a Tdap. And that's what it was called, a Tdap. Yep, tetanus diphtheria. Then AP stands for acellular pertussis, and that's the whooping cough part, which is different from the the TDP that it used to be before, where it was a capital letter P. Now it's a lowercase, and uh, lowercase letter A. And that refers to this reformulation that's much less likely to produce uh, fevers and side effects than it once did to little kids. So on the way in this morning, there's the flashing sign at Walgreens saying whooping cough. And I figured, wow, it didn't take them long to kind of jump on this headline. <laughs> yeah. But uh, is that a Tdap booster? Is yes. that basically what they're asking you to come in and that's get? That's right. Yeah, we don't have yeah. a separate pertussis or whooping cough shot that right. we give. And that's partly because this trio of diseases, the tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis, are all caused by bacteria. And not just bacteria, but they produce a toxin. And so it makes it a little oh. easier to sort of work on uh, uh, you know, putting them Fighting together. Fighting them together? Yeah, yeah, exactly. A little trio. So we do all three together. All right. Now, this idea of carriers. This study showed that there are people passing this on who aren't necessarily symptomatic. How unusual is that or frightening is that in medicine? Well, you know, if you take the perspective of a virus or bacteria... Um, you don't want to be so good that you kill your host or you just infect one, you know, one person. You want to spread yourself. And so it's oh. rather ingenious that if you can cause an infection kind of low grade, maybe the maybe your host uh, in which you're sort of situated doesn't even know this and is spreading it, you know, via so They feel like means. they got a minor cold or a, so it's yeah, not like they've little, had no symptoms. Right, a little scratch a little in your cough, throat, a little, little runny nose. You're not even thinking yeah. anything about it. It's, it's so mild that you're not even thinking like, oh, I probably shouldn't you know see my work today my or, cousin's yeah. you know baby or, yeah, or you know right. take care of my, my go see my grandmother who's in the nursing home mm. and when in fact you know if you're not washing your hands and being really careful you are spreading it and sort of not even knowing that you're doing it and uh, we mentioned here at the very beginning typhoid mary poor typhoid mary mary mallon uh, an irish cook who came to New York and is the uh, in effect still to this day the poster child for for asymptomatic carriers? Yeah. Uh, tell us about her. Well, I always think about her and in the time in which this occurred. I mean, she was doing her cooking late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, wealthy homes on the East Coast. She was uneducated, poor, an immigrant from Ireland. And just imagine this. I mean, 1876 is when the germ theory was really sort of accepted. And I'm trying to put my, myself yeah. in her shoes and like. You're trying to tell me that I have something in my body that I cannot see 
and it's it not isn't bothering making me. me sick. Right. Yeah, it's right. It's not making me sick. Right. Like, why would I not cook for all these other people and make their would doctors their meals? even have said that to her? Do you think? Do we know? Do we know a better case? Did doctors actually say, you know, you're you're really sick and you're passing it on? Oh, they identified. Oh, they did. Her. They Absolutely. identified. In her fact, at the they time. eventually yeah. she she ended her life in sort of a quarantine, not exactly a prison, but basically a prison like atmosphere a because sanatorium. Yeah, they could not trust her to to not uh, be involved with other people and cook their meals, and so they had to quarantine her. Um, and and basically imprison her oh, because wow. she you know, just never accepted that. Other examples of that through history or other examples of diseases that are more prone to this than others? Well, think of um, hepatitis C, which has been in the news a lot lately, the $1,000 a day pill that you can take for a period of weeks to clear you of hepatitis C. Um, an what? amazing story. Why is it $1,000 a day? I haven't heard about this. <laughs> Harvoni, that's a whole other story. But, you know, wow. people can have hepatitis C for decades. Yeah. In the United States right now, it's probably the leading cause of liver transplants. Okay. And so the whole idea is it's probably worth paying a lot up front to, sure, to save avoid the, cost the transplant. Of the liver yeah, right. But people can have it, not know it. That's why there's a guideline that you know anyone born between 1945 and 1965 should have a one-time hepatitis C antibody test, just to see. You know, don't don't make any assumptions about anyone's personal lives. The reality is, most people who got it who have it now used IV drugs back in the 60s. Um, but it can be there for ages, and you can be spreading it. You know, whether it's through the blood supply or we think maybe brushing your teeth or sharing a razor might be enough to yeah. to, to do it and to share it. And so um, a great example. But my gosh, I mean, HIV, sure. different herpes infections, um, TB is another great example. Someone can you know have it and, and not know it and, and be spreading it. Vaccination. What role does vaccination play in all of this? Well, so for the diseases for which there are vaccines, um, you know, we love to believe that the vaccines, all vaccines, are 100% effective, and we know that's not true. Um, however, um, very few things in humankind have done so much to save so many people's lives as vaccination has. So um, we're on the right path. Uh, we're doing the right thing. We've got great ideas. We have some great vaccines. Um, but, you know, we probably need to keep revisiting them. And clearly in the case of this TDAP, this Tdap, it's not quite as good against pertussis as it should be. And um, if, you know, we've kind of suspected this for a while and we need to not necessarily go back to the drawing board, but companies are working on improving the vaccine and uh, we'll, you know, wait for the day when that's happened. So more effective vaccines and more people getting those vaccines. That's right. We'll have fewer carriers. I think so. You know, we can't we can't deal with our immune systems. I mean, as we age, um, as the decades go by, immunity will wane. We're always going to need booster shots. Uh, we can't necessarily stop viruses or bacteria from mutating, from evolving to sort of, you know, slip around uh, some of our efforts. But we can control, we can encourage people to get immunizations. We can make better immunizations. So those are the two factors that we can influence to a great degree. And when you see then the uh, headline that got us talking about this is hits the New York Times and it says, whooping cough spread by asymptomatic carriers more often than we thought. Yeah. Uh, what do you think as a medical provider? Well, it's, you know, it's not a heart sink moment, but it yeah. does give you pause and you realize like, oh, shoot. I mean, I, you really want this to be better than it is. And I think it's, you know, it's important to go back for a moment. I mean, the reason the current vaccine is not as effective as the previous one is because people listened to patients and they saw the fact that, that you know, kids two, four, six months of age um, were getting high fevers and even seizures sometimes or even some, you know, brain injury from it. And so, you know, we change it. Unfortunately, by changing it, it's now less effective. So how do you find that compromise mm. by, you know, not causing any harm to children, making vaccines extremely safe, but also 
more effective. And that's that fine line, that fine space we have to walk. And this plays into fears about vaccines, which you and I have talked about, which are uh, uh, irrational right. and uh, generally have no, there's no evidence behind them. Right. And yet, if a case like this, if someone says, well, this vaccine was causing this, they do have to respond, don't they? Because it could call into question the whole idea of vaccination. Absolutely. It was interesting to look at the responses to the New York Times article and kind of reading through them. And some people saying like, look, I just looked up the whole vaccine, the, the old you know, TDP vaccine and saying, look, it was basically considered totally fine. A few cases of fever. What's the big deal? And then the responses to that were, of Mm. course, people who had known someone who had a problem or witnessed it in a child. And the minute you start hearing stories like that, I mean, your, your compassion goes out to them. It's hard to say, look, I know that that's a story of one or two people, but you know, a thousand other people did just fine. It's just very hard. Heart, healthcare is completely full of stories like that. And, and uh, you know, we have to, we, we do and, and we'll listen to that. Dr. John Holberg, thanks for coming in and telling us more about carriers this time. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Tom. Thank you.